And the reason why that I do that and I speak about the influence is because that's actually what we're going to be talking about today, that each and every one of us are, uh, have a responsibility to influence uh, culture around us. And this is one of the things that I feel like that we kind of say and it sounds good and then whenever opportunities come for, you know, us to be an influence, whenever it's hard, whenever it's difficult, sometimes we may shy away from those sort of things. And so that's what we're going to talk about by looking at um, God's word. But the first thing that I want to do is talk about something that I know if you've been in church for any amount of time, you probably heard. So you probably heard that we've been called to be the salt and the light of the earth, right? We've all pretty much heard that. Well, one of the things with that being the salt and the light and it being called a calling, I feel like that we've actually kind of gotten away from what it really is because see, Jesus says that you are the salt and the light. So if you are, that means that there's no option, right? So if you call me, guess what I can do? Snooze it, put it in your back pocket. I'm sorry if you called me this week and I did that to you. It's not the personal, but I just prefer a text, right? That's just my personality. So whenever God calls us to something, we can actually just kind of snooze it and put it away. Now we shouldn't, but that means that it is possible. But whenever he says, Jesus says, you are the salt and the light, that means that it is a command, and Jesus is commanding us. Yes, we had these, seems like that we had this reverence for the 10 commandments and Jesus just said, right? 10 commandments and then Jesus just said, well, if Jesus said it, I believe that we should be looking at it like this. If Jesus said it, it is a command. So that's how we need to start looking at these things that it is not optional. So here's your command. You ready for this? Your command is to influence the culture around you with the truth and the light and the love of Christ. Command, not said. So again, that means that it's not optional. And unfortunately, what winds up happening is I feel like a lot of times we find ourselves in the exact opposite position. And what's going on is, is that we're actually influenced as far as Christianity by a godless world. As a matter of fact, we will conform to society so many times, especially with social media blowing up. And then all of a sudden, like we're getting likes and we're getting shares and we're getting views. And then we just kind of compromise, 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 compromise to the point where God's word is actually no longer recognizable. Sounds good. Feels good. But it is not actually biblically accurate. And I feel like that a lot of times, you know why we do that and allow that is because it's easier to take what sounds good rather than what's biblical. And so that's the reason why that we're going to be looking at this is because I firmly believe that God has commanded all of us to have an eternal impact on the culture around us. And the only way that we can have an eternal impact is if we live a Christ-like life. So I'm going to pray because uh, I needed this the third time that I've done this, right? So... Let's just go to the Father. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that I have, God, just to bring your word. God, what an awesome, amazing opportunity is it for me to have this opportunity three times in the same day, knowing that I do not deserve it. So Lord, I just thank you and I praise your name, God, for giving me all the things that I do not deserve. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you help me and only speak what you want. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you have your way and help me to get out of it. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter three. 
And here's what I need you guys to know, that there's these three Jewish dudes that are kidnapped, right? And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how most of us know them. But their original name, and we'll actually come back to this, was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the reason why that this is so important for us to know is because there was nothing, I mean literally nothing, that was allowed to resemble Judaism in Babylon. So if you were in Babylon, which is what our sermon series is, escaping Babylon, guess what? You did not want to be in Babylon if you were Jewish. Facts. The end. And the reason why is because if anything resembled that, do you know what the option was? Death. So you pretty much go against everything that you believe in or you die. That's the only two options. And so that's actually where we're going to pick it up in scripture. So let's look at Daniel chapter three, and we're going to read four through six. It says this, then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, the other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, that's not the best, right? That's not. What are the options? The options are to bow down or be in a fiery uh, furnace. Doesn't sound very good to me. But what happens next will actually show us and bring us to my first point, which is this, that we must remain faithful to God's word, even in the face of the pressure to conform. Here's what I need you guys to remember in this story. It is two options, violate the first two commandments or burn in a fiery furnace. That's it. Those are the options. Uh, neither one of those sound very good to me. But that is the position that we actually see them in. And then whenever we're looking at this, especially in our day and time, a lot of times whenever we're talking about, um, you know, just standing up in the face of pressure, the pressure that we face is cancel culture. Like losing a check mark on a social media or someone thinking that we're being insensitive or, and it just seems like that these, like these are the things that are ruling the way that, you know, our society works. And guess what? Who cares? That is literally a lot of times the biggest, I mean, look at corporations. The, the uh, biggest threat that they face is less money coming in. The biggest threats that a lot of Christians face today, especially in America, is that someone calling you a bad name on Facebook. You know what that's called? First world problems. Right? Like, oh no, someone's gonna call you a name. Oh no, you're gonna lose your check mark. Oh no, less followers on Instagram. It is the worst day of my life. I lost 10,000 followers. You know what that means? You had a pretty good life. And that's the worst day of your life. And that's what we're gonna look at. Now imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So now they're actually in Babylon, which isn't the best. And so then they're walking around and then all of a sudden this command comes down from the king that they have to worship his statue. And what do they do? Nope, not doing it. So what winds up happening is, is that they actually don't do it. They didn't get on Instagram, they didn't get on Facebook, they didn't get on Twitter and just go on some rant or raving about how, oh, I'm being persecuted or whatever, right? You know what they did? They just lived their life. 
They literally just live their life. And as they're living their life, it brought attention to why aren't these people worshiping? They were told to worship. Do they not understand that if they don't worship that they're gonna be thrown in a furnace? Why do they not care about being thrown into a furnace? Because they can't understand why not. But how many of you know that there's always gonna be one tattletale in the room? One snitch. And that's exactly what it took. It took one astrologer to go and tell King Nebuchadnezzar, hey bro, uh, you did command that everyone needs to worship, right? King Nebuchadnezzar's like, is my name King Nebuchadnezzar? You're right, I did. And then all of a sudden he winds up in a situation where he finds out that they are not worshiping him the way that um, he's been telling them to. And best believe that as a king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's used to getting his way. Whatever he says, go the end, right? So much so that he finds out that these three people, three people aren't doing exactly what he says. And he has a stage five meltdown. Now, if you guys are uh, like me and have a toddler, you know exactly what a stage five meltdown is. Mine had a stage five meltdown this morning well, and night. Started at 11, 11.45, ended about 2 a.m., right? He was just could not believe that I would not play with him. He couldn't figure out why in the world that I wouldn't play with him. And he was letting the whole world, which is just me and my wife, uh, know that da, 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 that's all I heard. And then I finally got him, put him on the couch. And then it's like 1.15 in the morning. And this little dude is like this. I'm like, bro. And then he still can't figure out. And what does he do? He continues to melt down till finally he falls asleep. So I know, and you guys know what a stage five meltdown is. Now think about this. This king is literally having one of these because three people who really in the big scheme of things shouldn't even matter is all of a sudden, this is a 10. As a matter of fact, he's like, do you not know who I am? I'm the king. I'm the king and you're not worshiping me. You must not have heard me. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity uh, to worship me because you must not have understood who I am. You must not have understood what I told you. And the fact of the matter is, is that they actually understood perfectly clear. The answer to that question was, we are not going to worship. And this is what I need you guys to know also, is that one of the reasons why that I firmly believe that they were able to do this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the reason why that they were able to stand so firm in their faith is because they had accountability partners with them. If you wanna be a strong man of God, you know what you need to surround yourself with? Strong men of God. If you wanna be a strong woman of God, guess what you need to do? Surround yourself with strong women of God because I'm not so sure that if it would, would have been just one that they would have been able to be like, oh, uh, no. I firmly believe that it took all three of them and there's a reason why that there's three of them. And to me, I know that you know in the Christmas traditional story, we hear the three wise men. To me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's the OG three wise men. That's the actual true three wise men. And the reason why is because there's three of them. Pretty simple, right? And then they know that now we need to stand firm in our faith. And they actually weren't willing to sin in order to satisfy this dude's ego. So what we realize from this and what we have to take from this is this, is that in order for us to have influence on our culture, we must live a life of integrity that reflects Christ's character. And this is the only way 
that we can actually influence culture. And if we don't have this, you can take everything else that you know about Jesus, everything else that you know about Christianity, and pretty much throw it out the window. And the reason why is because no one's going to listen to you. Why? Because you don't even live with the integrity that you're telling me that I need to live with. So what we have to do is remain faithful to God's word, even in the face of pressure to conform. We live a life of integrity that reflects Christ's character and then we also, and this is very important, this is the part that I feel like that a lot of times this is the one that's like, uh, I'll do all of these but that one. And that's be willing to face the consequences of standing for the truth. You have to be willing to face the consequences of standing for the truth. And that's hard, right? Because it just seems like that there's so many people and there's so many thoughts and there's so many decisions and there's influencers that don't know anything, but they assume a position of authority as if they know, right? And what winds up happening in those moments is that we just go, oh, well, this person must know, this person must know, this person must know. And if they're not facing any consequences, that must mean that they really know. The fact of the matter is if they're not facing consequences for what they're saying at all whatsoever, it means what they're saying is false, 100%. And if we move to Daniel 3, verse 10, and it's gonna go through 14, good old Nebuchadnezzar, again, is having this stage five meltdown. He can't believe it. He's facing this threat now, or he's actually has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego facing a threat of being thrown in this fiery furnace. They're standing firm in their faith, and check this out, they're beginning to believe that God is gonna deliver them. How crazy is that? This dude is literally saying, I'm gonna throw you in a fiery furnace, and they're saying, well, my God is strong enough to deliver me. How many of you have had that situation, a scenario go on where you're like, oh, I'm literally facing a fiery furnace, I'm literally facing death right now, but God will deliver me. How many of you know that that's a difficult uh, statement to make? It's a really difficult statement to believe and it's an even more difficult scenario for you to go, oh, now I'm gonna believe it so much that it's gonna change the way that I act, the way that I choose to move. But let's look at Daniel 3.16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, if you don't know me, my uh, love language is sarcasm. So this is how I read this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, that's so cute. You're so cute. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. That's how I talk to my son sometimes whenever he's in trouble, right? It's like, oh, Tyson, we don't do that, do we? That's kind of how I feel like that he's talking right now. And now you know that King Nebuchadnezzar is like, who, who do you think you're talking to right now? I'm a grown man and you're talking to me like I'm a toddler. Do you not understand the power that I have? And the question is though, why don't they feel the need to defend themselves? Then we just go to 317. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Wow. So let me ask this question. How many of you know that we serve a God that if something's broken, he can fix it? We serve a God that if something is unhealthy, he can heal it. We serve a God as something is completely and totally shattered, a relationship, a marriage, whatever that may look like, he can reconcile it. 
How incredible is that, that that is the God that we serve. And not only that, that the God that we serve can rescue us from anything that the power of Satan thinks that he holds above us. That's crazy, right? And a lot of us will say it. A lot of us will say that we believe it. But then whenever it comes to the way that we act, if we act the way, well, actually your actions don't always line up with your words. And so we have to make sure that the way that we act truly does line up with our words. So in this, Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, talk to me like a toddler. Great idea. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn this furnace up seven times hotter than what it was going to be. How does that sound? Seven times, right? He's still throwing a temper tantrum. And this furnace gets so hot that they literally lose guards. Okay, guards die trying to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace because it's so hot. That's how much this dude doesn't care. He's like, this is how much you doing what I say means to me. Then uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes over and what he sees is something that he's never seen before. Four dudes in the fiery furnace, but he only threw three dudes in the fiery furnace. So there's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and someone that's glowing, but not because they're on fire, right? I would think that if you saw someone glowing in the furnace, you'd think that the dude is caught on fire. That is actually not the case. He actually sees and believes that, well, this must be God. Isn't that crazy? He pretty much refers to himself as a God. And if you think about it from that standpoint, he goes, you know what, let's go ahead and get them out. Well, that's probably what I would be doing too, right? If I threw three people in, there's a fourth one in there and they, he's glowing. Maybe these guys know something that I don't know. So they get him out. And did you know that there was no hint of smoke? There was no fire. I stood by a campfire and I just take like 27 showers and I still feel and smell like campfire. Anyone else ever been there? And, this, and, and, and like these people are in an actual furnace smelling like my favorite cologne, right? And it's like, how in the world is that even possible? And here's the deal. What winds up happening is if we go to Daniel 3, 28 through 29, I love this. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands which are his commands, right? So, the, so they defied his commands. Uh, let's see, and they trusted him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. 29, therefore I make this decree, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. How incredible is it that someone who doesn't know God, someone who has never experienced God, somebody who has literally put themselves in a position to be God, says there is no other God than this God. That's crazy, right? And here's the fact of the matter is, is that they were actually able to gain, they were able to gain the favor of their pagan captors now. Why? Because, well, you're with God. I mean, I would be listening to someone too if I threw them in a fiery furnace and they came out like nothing happened, right? I'd be like, I don't know, but I need to listen to this dude. But check this out. When did the favor come? The favor came after they faced and went through the fire, not before. 
So a lot of times we get this, you know, almost want to beat our chest because, you know, we're Christians, we're this and we're that. And so they need to respect us. They need to respect us. They need to know who our Jesus is and respect our God. And the, the problem with that is, is that, you know, maybe they do respect God, but maybe they don't respect us, you know, or they're trying to live off of what Paul did. They're trying to live off of all these miracles that happened. They're trying to live off of what Jesus did. The question isn't what Jesus did. The question is, what are you doing? And it's funny because I sit up here as a youth pastor and I've heard so many times of people talking about how entitled the younger generation is. And whenever I look at Christianity, do you know what I see? A bunch of entitled Christians wanting to get all this favor before they go through a fire. Doesn't make any sense. If someone else told us that, we'd be like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Respect me for what? And unfortunately, as Christians, I feel like that we become so complacent, that's where we're at. And then if they say, no, I'm not gonna respect you, we just go, oh, okay, cool. We aren't gonna change, we're just gonna say, I really want it, or make a Facebook post or social media post, or just talk in our small groups about it, rather than actually going and doing something to influence the culture around us. And so then, I let the verse out, I know if you guys are following along in your Bible. And I did it on purpose, and it wasn't so that, you know, what I was saying actually couldn't be refuted from the verse before because that's not the type of pastor I am. What I really wanted us to do is pay some special attention to this. Daniel 3.18 says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. See, we know that God rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because it's written, right? It wasn't written whenever they were going through it. It wasn't written yet. They didn't have the Old Testament. They don't know. It's happening in real time. Think about that. So then we get to this point where they are literally, think about this, this is their love, this is their devotion from God. They are literally so devoted to God that they are literally willing to walk through the closest thing to hell on earth for someone else to come to know who God is. That's crazy, huh? Fire, is that all you got? Bro, that's a lot. You know, the furnace, that's it. Well, what else do I need? You'll be dead, right? But they're literally willing to go through that. If that's what it takes for someone else to come to know God. And hopefully as Christians, we get to that point. But here's my next question that I have for you. And this is a tough question and it's hard and I get it, but I really want you to answer this question. And here's the question. What are you willing to endure? What are you willing to endure? You know, a lot of times we want to talk about God's grace and his mercy and him being delivered and doing all these things. But the real question is what makes us like a true measure of who we are as Christians. How do we endure? What are we willing to endure? How do we endure? And the question is, if you're not, you know, just delivered, if there's not a miracle, are you willing to suffer in a way and suffer well enough that God still gets the glory? Are you willing? Because if the answer is no, well, guess what? 
It's gonna be really hard for us to influence the kingdom that way. It's gonna be almost impossible. And the other part that we need to know is suffering well is actually just as powerful of a testimony to the world, to our, uh, just our culture, as it is a deliverance or a miracle. And the reason why is this, because if you tell people our God can rescue, our God can, our God can heal, our God can, and if that's the only thing that we focus, what happens whenever God doesn't? What happens? Well, sorry, God loved everyone but you. God had all this healing power. He just chose not to give it to you. God has all these riches in heaven. He just chose not to give you a dime. Let me ask you this question. How many people is that gonna win for the Lord? How many people are gonna see God's goodness in those things? None, but if we say we are willing literally to die in order for other people to see Christ, for other people to see God, guess what that says? I believe in it so much that I'm willing to give my life up for you, for you to be able to be seen or, or, or to uh, see God. Let me ask this question, what did Jesus do? Gave up his life so that we could come into relationship with him, so that we could have an eternal life, an eternal home in heaven. And here's the fact of the matter is that whenever we face the fire or, or whenever we go through it the way that we're supposed to, that's whenever we show God's power. That's when we show God's power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their faith said, God can rescue me. But even if he doesn't, I'm not wavering. Even if he doesn't, I'm not moving. You know why? Because keeping God's commands are worth dying for. And did you know that whenever we put God's commands and say that they're worth dying for, that's whenever we influence the culture around us whenever we're truly willing to go through it, our unwavering faith is what tells other people who we truly are. That's what makes the connection between them and God. And I actually just wanna go just a little bit further, if that's okay. One of the things that I know is that none of you are called to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and just be raptured to heaven. I know that none of you are called to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and then just sit and wait and mope until you get to heaven. You may think, well, Pastor Jonathan, how do you know that? That's a great question and you know what? I have an answer. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Let's look at verse 30. It says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So guess what? They didn't get to go home. They didn't get to go home. How many of you know that our, our home is not here? Our home is in heaven, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to go and do something else. God could have easily said, Oh, they're gonna throw you in the furnace. Okay, cool, you're not gonna feel it really. You're just gonna be disintegrated. Then you'll go automatically to heaven. Or you know what else could have happened? As soon as they showed their faith, as soon as they got out of that furnace, they could have easily, God could have easily said, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't know that this is what was gonna happen. So guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna reward you with express lane to heaven. But that's not what happened. What happened? Again, they, they went to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. They were given higher levels of influence in their culture. Again, because they were willing to face it. 
Here's what I need you to know. Whenever you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the same God that was there for Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that saved them, that protected them, and you know what else? Wasn't done with them, is the same God that if you've accepted him, has saved you, is protecting you, and guess what else? Isn't done with you. If you're seven, if you're 77, 177, that's impressive. But God isn't done. And that's what we need to see in this is that God isn't done. And some of you may be walking around miserable in your Christianity. And I'm here to tell you the reason why is because you're not paying attention to what the scripture is telling us. He's not done with you. There are too many at-bats. There are too many at-bats available for us to be bored for us to be miserable if you're miserable because you haven't taken any swings it's because you haven't gotten the batter's box don't blame God because you haven't stepped up to the plate that's on you and so I firmly believe that whenever we take this as Christians and go man God I will do anything that you ask me I will do anything if that's me going through hell on earth for other people to come to know you, God, I'm willing to do that. God, if it's me having to have some tragedy happen in my life and then you come and miraculously just take that away and put me in a different position, which is part of my life and testimony, I'm willing to do that for other people to come and know you. That's how much that I love you. Because how many of you know that again, that this whole life, once we accept Jesus Christ, is just increasing the population of heaven the end there is nothing else jobs are cool families are cool all that's cool but we're truly here for one reason increase the population of heaven so i talked about it earlier about how each and every one of you are called wait no we decided that we're commanded right we're commanded not just called but we're called to be the salt and the light which means that we're not called to be a positive influence, but we're commanded to be a godly influence. And there's only one way that we can be a godly influence. The only way that we can be a godly influence is if we sell out to Jesus Christ to such a level that God is able to get the glory whether we're suffering or if we're being delivered, the end. And then guess what? He always gets the glory then we can talk to all people. Now everyone can have a reason to live and know that God is still there, regardless of their circumstance.